Hello there. It is Eric Erickson here. The phone number 877-973-7425. I, I got to bring this up to you real quick because I find this hilarious. Yesterday, at the same time, second hour of the show, we talked about the daylight saving time legislation passing the Senate by unanimous consent. BuzzFeed News now has the answer as to how changing time could get through the Senate by unanimous consent. Turns out a number of senators oppose making uh, daylight saving time permanent. One of those is Senator Tom Cotton of Arkansas, who favors standard time uh, for a lot of reasons. Um, Senator Chris Coons of Delaware as well, not necessarily a fan. Uh, Several other senators have come forward and said they weren't particularly fans of it either. Uh, Senator Chris Coons says he's not sure whether he's opposed or not, but he's just not uh, happy with it, the way it went. So how did it happen? (laughs) Turns out staffers in the United States Senate, Democrat and Republican, chose not to inform their bosses that it was up for a vote. (laughs) Oh, the the Senate staff got in the way. Um, Senator Tom Cotton's staff in particular chose not to tell him. So here's what happens. If you want to try to pass something by unanimous consent in the Senate, you have to send everyone a notice and tell them that I want to put this on the floor of the Senate and ask for unanimous consent. So Marco Rubio did that on Monday. He sent in a unanimous consent request. It was shared with all of the senators. Typically what happens is the legislative directors of each senator review the requests for unanimous consent to see if there's anything they want to object to. And apparently the staff in the various offices of senators opposed chose not to raise concerns with their boss. Now, it could be they assumed that it wasn't going to pass, or it could be that they didn't want their boss to know so their boss couldn't kill it. But either way, Senate staffers did this. This reminds me of the Harriet Myers story. Harriet Myers, I guess back in 2005, was one of George W. Bush's nominees to the U.S. Supreme Court. And the senators all rallied. I remember uh, Hugh Hewitt uh, at the time, the conservative uh, pundit, radio show host, and writer. He was trying to put the the best light on it. Somebody parodied him and um, said, I think the headline was, it's a poop sandwich, being polite here. It's a poop sandwich, um, but edible. I give it a B. (laughs) Um, So what happened is, is, I mean, all these senators and you had all these pundits out there and I was one of the guys like, no, this is terrible. We don't know anything about this woman. This is going to be David Souter all over again. Do not support Harriet Myers. And, and, and I decided I was at redstate.com at the time. It was, that was really one of the key moments where I pivoted towards fighting, uh, even my own side and becoming more activist about it. And I was like, this is absolutely unacceptable. Uh, you got to rally the grassroots to oppose this. And I begin getting leaks, lots and lots of leaks from inside the White House and from inside the Congress and from outside sources familiar with the nominations process and really was able to help. I was one of the first, if not the first people out of the gate with the story that Harriet Myers had been an Al Gore donor. And um, it, it went downhill from there. Now, what ha- subsequently happened is Republican staffers in the Senate 
several of whom I know and have confirmed the story with them. They were involved in it. Several of the Senate staffers who were tied to members of the Judiciary Committee started leaking stories to the New York Times and to CNN and to Fox News that, well, Ms. Myers is bombing her interviews. She can't answer basic questions about the Constitution. Her answers to written questions are ridiculous or she hasn't turned them in. None of these stories were true, by the way. In fact, uh, Harriet Myers had not started having meetings with members. It was a, an effort, an effort by staffers, if I can say through the sneezes, an effort by staffers to kill off her nomination. Harriet Myers was a terrible nominee and the Senate staff knew it, but the Senate staff knew an inclination of a Republican senators to stand behind the Republican president. And so they sabotaged her nomination in the same way it appears that Senate staffers have sabotaged uh, an effort to keep spring forward, fall back, or a standard time. Now, several senators are approaching members of the House and asking them to sabotage this legislation. There are Democrats in the House and Republicans in the House who oppose spring forward as the permanent time. We will see if they can make an impact. Nancy Pelosi has got to put this to a vote. It sounds like there could be a real bipartisan constituent-based effort to get this thing to a floor vote. Time will tell. (laughs) Pun intended. All right. Now, I want to bring you the latest on, believe it or not, we have the, the resurgence of a story some of you need to hear about. Turns out there is a new wave coming of COVID. So they think, uh, not to freak you out. The Washington Post is reporting that there's a COVID surge in Western Europe and American public health officials are starting to think there could be a wave here. This is from the Washington Post. A Germany, a nation of 83 million people, saw more than 250,000 new cases and 249 deaths Friday when Health Minister Karl Lauterbach called the nation's situation critical. The country is allowing most coronavirus restrictions to end Sunday despite the increase. Britain had a seven-day average of 65,894 cases and 79 deaths as of Sunday, according to Johns Hopkins University. The Netherlands, home to fewer than 18 million people, was averaging more than 60,000 cases the same day. In all, about a dozen nations are seeing spikes in coronavirus infections caused by BA2, a cousin of the BA1 form of the virus uh, that tore through the U.S. over the last three months that we called Omicron. The past two years, a widespread outbreak like the one now being seen in Europe has been followed by a similar surge in the United States some weeks later. Many, but not all, experts interviewed for the story predicted that's likely to happen. China and Hong Kong, on the other hand, are experiencing rapid and severe outbreaks, but the strict zero COVID policies they have enforced make them less similar to the U.S. and Western Europe. In other words, expect more fear porn about COVID from the media. They're starting to freak out. CNN's already had on a World Health Organization official about the masks. Do these these mask mandates and vaccine mandates that have been lifted, have they been lifted too early? 
Well, we recommend a combination of approaches. Um, there is no one solution that's going to end this pandemic. So increasing vaccination coverage and in particular, making sure that vaccines are reaching those who are most at risk, people over 60 years old, people with underlying conditions, immunocompromised individuals in every country is absolutely critical to saving lives now. But we also have to do other measures. Wearing of a mask is a simple measure. They're, they are well uh, stocked around the world. They reduce the spread distancing, you know, being careful. We're asking people to be careful. We're asking policies in countries to use a layered, tailored approach and target it based on the needs. It's too soon to lift measures. It's far too soon to lift all measures, and in particular in, in, in certain countries. But we do recognize that countries are in very different situations. We are just asking people and policies to remain cautious. Um, too soon to lift the mask mandate, they say. They're, they're, they never are going to want to lift the mask mandate. They're never going to want to. We're going to live in fear. Isn't it amazing, though, how COVID just kind of went away? Coverage of it went away. The virus itself didn't. But COVID went away as everybody moved on to focus on Ukraine and other stuff. And now suddenly, uh, we're 20-some-odd we're days into this. Joe Biden hasn't really had a COVID or Ukraine poll rebound, and now we're back to COVID. And it comes as this happens, Jeff Zitz is leaving as Biden's COVID czar. He's going to be replaced by um, Ashish Jha. Uh, Jeffrey Zintz, an entrepreneur and management consultant who steered Biden's coronavirus response through successive pandemic waves and the largest vaccination campaign in American history, plans to leave the White House in April to return to private life, President Biden said in a statement. He will be replaced as the White House coronavirus coordinator by Dr. Ashish K. Jha, the dean of Brown University School of Public Health and a practicing internist who has urged an aggressive approach to the pandemic. In other words, uh, the incoming czar has wanted lots of shutdowns and lockdowns. Uh, The incoming uh, COVID czar, Dr. Jha, was a co-chair of an international commission on the global response to Ebola. He has argued that agencies like the World Health Organization are critical in dealing with these diseases. He, uh, Mr. Zintz became an unlikely face of the Biden administration's response to the deadly virus. I hardly ever saw him, frankly. And all of this happens now with this new wave. Meanwhile, Dr. Fauci has largely gone underground. While all of this has happened, Joe Biden interacted with the Irish prime minister, and then the Irish prime minister turned out to be COVID positive. Uh, Michael Martin, prime minister of Ireland on Wednesday night, uh, was diagnosed with a positive coronavirus test coming hours after Joe Biden interacted with him. But White House officials said President Biden is not considered a close contact. During the meeting with Martin on Thursday, Biden apologized for having to meet via video conference because of COVID concerns. He said he met with Martin in person for seven and a half minutes Wednesday night. They both attended the Ireland Funds National Gala on Wednesday night before the Irish Prime Minister tested positive for COVID. By the way, here's something that you need to know for when the great freakout comes, because you and I both know the great freakout is coming. Yes, Europe has seen a massive new wave of COVID uh, cases. They are not seen a massive wave of hospitalizations and deaths. In fact, the reason the Europeans are dropping their guard and letting things go back to normal is because everybody's gotten vaccinated. And so while it's not keeping them from getting COVID per se, 
It's keeping them from dying. It's keeping them from going to the hospital. Even people who have pre-existing conditions are not as impacted by this variant of COVID as so many people predicted. It has mutated so much, it wants to survive, uh, and to survive, it can't have its host die. So COVID has arrived at the point like the common cold, where you can catch it and you're not going to be bad off, even if you're elderly or have pre-existing conditions, because COVID, if you die, can't spread. And it wants to spread. It's a virus. The only thing it wants to do is survive and multiply. You can't do that if you're dead. And so the Omicron variant and this new variant off of the Omicron variant, though it spreads even more quickly and rapidly than the Omicron variant, actually causes even less of a problem for people than the Omicron variant. That should be good news. This is what we wanted. Is this not what we wanted? There's no reason to freak out. There's no reason to keep masks on airplanes. There's no reason to keep us locked down the way we've been. It's time for life to go on. But I can guarantee you, If the Ukraine situation resolves itself in the next couple of weeks, we're going to have just unmitigated holy hell from the media back again on COVID, except I have one caveat to that. If the polling continues to look real bad for Joe Biden, maybe they'll pretend as well the political science trumps the science and the media leaves this alone because they do not want to do anything more to hurt Joe Biden. It's already looking like a massive Republican wave coming. And that may allow us to go back to normal so that the Democrats can mitigate some of the disaster that's coming. I sleep well at night under bowl and branch sheets. And I need to tell you, my family, we were customers before I started endorsing them. It's what I like to do. I like to be familiar with the product and like it. And I love the bowl and branch sheets. One of the reasons I love them is because they are super soft sheets. (laughs) I got to say that word right. But... They've got a little weight to them, so so you feel somewhat more snuggled. Like I've got some uh, sheets I, that came with the new mattress, and they're so light, it's like there's nothing on top of you, and I can't sleep well with them because they're. I mean, it's just. And then they bunch up the the man the satiny soft feel of the Bull and Branch sheets. It makes a real big difference. Listen. You've got so many options out there right now. You can go to a department store. You have so many options, but there's no reason to because with Bowl and Branch, you get high-quality sheets. They've got a great thread count. They're perfect. They've got plenty of color options. You sleep well under them because they're soft and they're durable, and they've got a little bit of weight, the perfect amount of weight for a sheet. Now, I want you to go out there and order Bolin Branch sheets because they are comfortable. You got, I mean, they're environmentally friendly. They're built around sustainability, and you got quality that lasts. You know, a lot of the companies that advertise all the environmentally friendly stuff, their sheets don't last. I can tell you, my Bolin Branch sheets have lasted a long time, and they get softer over time. Experience the best sheets you've ever felt at BolinBranch.com. Get 15% off your first set of sheets when you use promo code ERIC, E-R-I-C-K, at checkout. That's Bolin Branch, B-O-L-L-A-N-D, Branch.com. The promo code ERIC, E-R-I-C-K. Hello there. It is Eric Erickson here. The phone number is 877-973-7425 if you wish to be on the program. Uh, I got a story that really highlights white privilege. I know that you and I as conservatives, we tend to deny white privilege. 
And every once in a while, you are confronted with a story that makes you realize that white privilege must be a real thing because there's no way anyone but a white guy could get away with something like this. A court has ordered the release of Jesse Smollett from jail on bond as the appeal of his conviction is pending. Smollett, or I guess Juicy Smollett, was sentenced to 150 days in jail after he was convicted of lying to Chicago police about being the victim of a hate crime back in 2019. The Empire actor was convicted on five felony counts of disorderly conduct for lying to police on Wednesday. An appeals court in a two-to-one decision said Smollett could be released after posting a personal recognizance bond of $150,000, meaning he doesn't have to put down money but agrees to come to court as required. On top of the 150 days in jail, he was given 30 months felony probation, restitution to the city of Chicago in the amount of $120,106 and a fine of $25,000. His attorney had argued he would have completed the jail sentence by the time the appeal process was completed, and he could be in physical danger of or danger of physical harm if he remained locked up. By the way, he still maintains his innocence. Um, there's you some white privilege in getting out of jail. His lawyer, by the way, I, I should say, does have a good argument that if he's sentenced to serve 150 days in prison, by the time the appeal is conducted, it could be more than 150 days, so he will serve time, and if they throw him out. So it does make some sense, but at the same time, it is rather galling here. And the guy continues to maintain his innocence. He continues to say it wasn't him. He continues to scream racism and the like. He's clearly got some serious issues. In fact, they had to keep him under surveillance in jail because they were worried he might engage in self-harm. But my gosh, the amount of people, this, you know, this is a perfect corollary to the Hunter Biden situation. The number of people who immediately refused to believe the Hunter Biden story was was real are the same people who believe Jesse Smollett or Smollett or whatever you want to call him. The same people who believed him, who rushed to his defense, say it's so horrible. How could people be so mean? Those racist MAGA Trump people. They're the same people who ran out to say, oh my gosh, I can't believe people would treat this Hunter Biden story seriously as disinformation. Turns out the disinformation were the people saying it was disinformation. And it turns out that uh, Juicy Smollett was actually a victim of his own hate crime. I still think the funniest headline I've seen in a while is the Babylon Bee said Jesse uh, Jesse Smollett ordered to uh, spend time in prison with his attacker (laughs) or sentenced to ordered into the same jail cell as his attacker. Oh my gosh. Um, I just, the, the whole, the whole story there is ridiculous. And again, it is, you, you got to be, you got to say this because it, it, it just puts the, the whole thing together. The people who said this guy was attacked are the same people who said the Hunter Biden story was disinformation and it wasn't. Hello there. It's Eric Erickson. How are you? The phone number is 877-973-7425. Should you wish to be on this program? 
the Republicans in Congress, I, I actually find this very interesting. The Republicans in Congress are out hawking the Democrats when it comes to Ukraine. Now, you need to at least follow along some of the attention here. The Republicans back in the 1980s, uh, led by Ronald Reagan, knew that the Soviets were the evil empire. And it was the Democrats who were the pacifists. Uh, Many of the uh, people today who are out there and, and have refused to criticize or who are all about criticizing Vladimir Putin, they were apologists for the Soviet Union on the left back in the day. Republicans have largely for many years been weary of Vladimir Putin because he was a KGB operative. And Republicans now are more hawkish on Ukraine than the Democrats from Politico. In the run-up to Vladimir Zelensky's speech, GOP leaders criticized Biden for being slow to punish Vladimir Putin and displayed a growing hawkishness after years of drifting toward the non-interventionist mold embodied by former President Donald Trump. They portrayed Biden as a step behind on all things Ukraine, ignoring the president's emphasis on balancing global coalitions and moving together with allies. Republican criticism only grew louder after Zelensky called for a no-fly zone and more assistance to beat back Russia in remarks to lawmakers, specifically urging an aircraft transfer that would give Ukraine more firepower. Amid another day of attacks on Ukraine, House Minority Whip Steve Scalise dubbed the ongoing war a genocide, a word that implies the United States needs to engage in far greater intervention. Our own president needs to step up his game. We're not doing nearly enough, quickly enough to help the Ukrainians, said uh, Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell, adding, comparing Zelensky to Biden is depressing. Comparing Zelensky to Biden is depressing. As the minority party in Congress, there's very little risk to Republican political approach. It's true. There is some disunity out there, but Republicans are being far more aggressive about Ukraine than the Democrats. In fact, the Democrats are are very divided. There are some Republicans, like, for example, uh, the idiot in Georgia, uh, Marjorie, Marjorie Taylor Greene. Marjorie Taylor Greene came out last night. She, She had an address to the nation. She's a congresswoman from one corner of Georgia had the audacity to claim she was doing an address to the nation and did the whole both sides thing. Both sides are at fault here, and I think we should stay out of it because both sides are at fault. I mean, one country chose to exist, and another country chose to invade it. Had that first country chosen not to exist, it would have never happened. What a moron. I mean, that, that's basically uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene's uh, entire argument here is that by choosing to exist, Ukraine is equally at fault with the Russians. Moron. You, you know, by the way, those of you in, in the 14th Congressional District in Georgia, you have the opportunity to vote for a Trump conservative who is not insane. Jennifer Strayan, I believe her name is. Uh, you, you can vote for someone who who will vote the same way Marjorie Taylor Greene votes without embarrassing you constantly or beclowning herself. I mean, this whole idea, Ukraine's to blame for Russia invading it. 
really. Maybe she's just got the hots for Vladimir Putin. Just, uh, just bizarre. Just bizarre. But most Republicans outside the crazy few are standing up now. Now I got to tell you, Lindsey Graham has gone to the other extreme. You got well, you got Marjorie Taylor Greene as, as as one nut in the house, and Lindsey Graham is the other. Uh, and he says we just need to assassinate Vladimir Putin. How is that helpful? How is it helpful to say let's just go kill? No, I mean listen. If the Russian troops decide they want to go get rid of Vladimir Putin, God bless them. Let them do it. Give them an award. But I don't think it's helpful. And he's like, well, if John McCain were here, John McCain would be saying this. Maybe it's time to get off the John McCain bandwagon. John McCain was not a Trump fan. And you were like the the leader of of the Hump His Leg Coalition for Donald Trump. Lindsay, come on. But even Susan Collins, probably the Republican in Congress who likes Joe Biden the most, is critical that the president has been too slow. It turns out that Anthony Blinken wanted to send those, uh, allow the Poles to move their jets to Ukraine, and Biden has been very adamant. He is convinced that we should not escalate. As I mentioned in the first hour, uh, Joe Biden, his position is even being criticized by former British Prime Minister Tony Blair. Why on earth are we telling Russia, do whatever you want, we're not going to, to respond? That just encourages someone like uh, Vladimir Putin to go further. Not only that, let me just tell you what the genius Joe Biden is doing. The new American deal with Iran will allow the Russians to build nuclear sites in Iran. That's right. The Washington Free Beacon has this story. Russia's top state-controlled energy company is set to cash in on a $10 billion contract to build out one of Iran's most contested nuclear sites as part of concessions granted in the soon-to-be-announced nuclear agreement that will guarantee sanctions on both countries are lifted. Russian and Iranian documents translated for the Washington Free Beacon show that Rosatom, Russia's leading energy company, has a $10 billion contract with Iran's Atomic Energy Organization to expand Tehran's Bushehir nuclear plant. Russia and the Biden administration confirmed on Tuesday that the new nuclear agreement includes carve-outs that will waive sanctions on both Russia and Iran so that Russia can complete this contract. We, the Biden administration, I shouldn't say us, the Biden administration is willfully willingly allowing the Russian nuclear energy company to build nuclear reactors in Iran and get paid $10 billion for it. How is any of this sane? How is any of this sane? None of this should be sane to us. We should recognize This is absurd. But the Biden administration is dogmatically insisting we need some sort of deal with Ukraine. And can we really trust Joe Biden with this? Can we we really trust him? 
the man has gotten everything wrong since Afghanistan and has been dogmatic about all of it. To see him dig his heels in Afghanistan, call it a tremendous success, and then move forward from there, and everything else is a tremendous success, do we really think that the Iran deal is going to be a tremendous success? Do you really? With China, Russia, and Iran on one side of this, and the Americans and Western allies on the other, who still think the entire world can be resolved on a piece of paper with signatures when Russia is showing it does not care about pieces of paper with signatures in Ukraine. The whole thing's bizarre. And now, Deep Thoughts by Joe Biden. started off there were going to be negotiations between the Taliban and the Afghan National Security Forces and the Afghan government that that didn't come to did come to fruition so the question now is where do they go from here that the jury is still out but the likelihood there's going to be the Taliban overrunning everything and owning the whole country is highly unlikely that was Deep Thoughts by Joe Biden. And that guy now wants to make a deal with Iran. Do you really trust him to make a deal with Iran? Really? Well, hey, I have become convinced. I I am sold on a theory. My theory is that Kamala Harris was picked not as a diversity pick, but picked so that no one would dare use the 25th Amendment. She is having more of a shakeup in her office. Uh, Sabrina Singh is leaving the office to go to the Defense Department. A top aide uh, headed over there with a, it's a pattern of recent departments. Jamal Simmons, who served as communications director for the vice president, wrote about the sad news of Singh's departure in a memo. Singh, who's a key advisor to Harris, worked alongside her during the general election and the presidential transition, was hired by Harris in March of 2020 to operate communications for political matters and has stayed on. Uh, the new deputy press secretary will be Ernesto Ernie Apreza, according to reports. Apreza has served in the White House Office of Public Engagement. Now, in January, Harris was forced to select a new communications director following an onslaught of departures from her office. Simone Sanders resigned in December. Vincent Evans uh, left uh, after a year, according to a statement to CNBC, left in January to go work for the Congressional Black Caucus. Peter Vells, director of Harris's press operations, served his last day on the job in January, went over to the State Department. Here's dirty little secret that circulated in Washington, D.C. Harris's trip to Poland was not good. Kamala Harris's trip to Poland was not a good thing. It got her more bad PR with her ridiculous laugh that she did that the Ukrainians were even concerned about. In fact, you had one Ukrainian press person, uh, Zelensky's former spokesperson, had to delete tweets saying that Kamala Harris's presidency would be a tragedy. Listen to this clip. I have to ask you um, about something you wrote on Twitter. You tweeted that... um the presidency of uh, Kamala Harris, if that were to happen, that that would be a a tragedy. Uh, You deleted that tweet. Um, But why do you think that? 
I deleted that tweet because I was explaining that I'm sorry, this is uh, an air alert. Yeah, I'm sorry. Uh, I deleted that tweet because I was explained that Kamala Harris had this kind of peculiarity of communication when she feels uncomfortable. But for us, as for Ukrainians, it is really it was a very bad experience to see this type of reaction a laugh when you know we uh, were listening about the, one of the biggest tragedies of Ukraine right. I mean, for those of you who didn't hear, uh, Vice President Harris, what would you do? She's like, ah, <laughs> Thank you, Madam Vice President. I wanted to ask you about some reporting that my colleague here in Poland noticed. He recently spoke with the mayor of the largest border town who told him that the refugee system is essentially not set up for this, that it will collapse. It's an improvised system that can work for maybe two weeks, but not indefinitely. And I'm wondering what the United States is going to do more specifically to set up a permanent infrastructure. And relatedly, is the United States willing to make a specific allocation for Ukrainian refugees? And for President Duda, I wanted to know if you think and if you asked the United States to specifically accept more refugees. Okay. <laughs> a friend in need is a friend indeed. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Um, this is the vice president of the United States. She's having to shake up her team again, having come back from Poland, even within White House circles, it was not viewed as a success. We've done Joe Biden's. Here's Kamala Harris's. And now deep thoughts by Kamala Harris. Remember, y'all, it's not her team, it's her. Now, I got to tell you guys about one of the great companies out there fighting the good fight for conservatives. That is Patriot Mobile. Listen, I know there are other companies out there that claim that they do what uh, Patriot Mobile does. But actually, what these companies are is they're kind of, they're like a single company that has multiple outlets. And so they brand for conservatives, they brand for liberals, they uh, brand for Obama phones. Patriot Mobile is just a company that is set up to advance the conservative cause. If you do business with them, they take a portion of their profits and they use those profits to advance the gun rights movement, to advance the pro-life movement, to advance uh, the causes of veterans and first responders. Patriot Mobile is a great organization. You can be a part of Patriot Mobile and they've got great service. They use the same cell towers everybody else uses. So it's not like you've got to worry about their quality of coverage. they got the same coverage all the other guys have. What you do is you go to patriotmobile.com slash eric, patriotmobile.com slash E-R-I-C-K. You move over, you get free activation with my name, or you can call them 972-PATRIOT, 972-PATRIOT, and uh, tell them I sent you, you get free activation. But not only that, you get great discounts if you're a veteran, discount first responder, discount teacher, discount NRA member, discount large family, need a lot of lines, discount. PatriotMobile.com slash Eric. If you didn't know this happened, this happened. 
we greet the President of United Earth. Madam President. Madam President. Welcome. I am so pleased that you've come. We are eager to begin diplomatic discussions. Nothing to discuss. United Earth is ready right now to rejoin the Federation. Yes, that would be Stacey Abrams. She's the president of Earth. <laughs> Star Trek Discovery, which is a, a dreadful TV show. She actually, several friends of mine say she actually improved it. Uh, her performance, she's a she's a big Star Trek fan. Uh, I, I'm a big Star Trek fan as well, although I find a lot of the new stuff absolutely dreadful. Uh, but I'm not a progressive, so they would never invite me to be on Star Trek Discovery, but she's the cast as the president of Earth. What does it tell you about the 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 the, the thigh-sweaty dreams of the left in Hollywood? Oh, we should cast Stacey Abrams as the president of Earth. Is she actually the president of Earth, though, or does she just claim to be the president of Earth and there's actually another president of Earth, but she's out there actually doing this thing where, where they allow her? And this is just, oh, this is the thing that so many people dislike about Hollywood, that they will they will embrace the liberal fan fiction and they will prop these people up. They would they would do this for six They would never, if Brian Kemp were a diehard fan of Star Trek Discovery, which he's not because he has taste. They would never allow him to have a, an, an appearance. Look, look at uh, Pat Leahy. Pat Leahy, the senator from Vermont, a uh, progressive Democrat, huge Batman fan. He's been in every Batman movie because he's a progressive in the Senate who loves Batman. A conservative in the, in the United States House or Senate who loved Batman would never be allowed to be involved. But our side is expected to just shut up and take it. And their side will say, well, I'm never watching again. And the liberals in Hollywood will quake in their boots. Um, I don't really care. It's, I mean, honestly, I'm happy for Stacey Abrams. She was invited to be a part of Star Trek. And I'm not kidding when I say every friend of mine who watches the show says it's dreadful and that she's actually an improvement from what's generally there. But also, uh, my gosh. Of course, they would cast her as some sort of savior of Earth, rejoining the Federation after those after those icky, icky troglodyte people she replaced. Of course, they would cast her in that role. All right. We got more stuff to talk about when we come back, including the ruthlessness of the various parties. Because Chris Saliza... Uh, went on social media and declared that turns out the Republicans are far more ruthless and have drifted so far to the right compared to the liberals. And it's in defiance of actually all of the data that's out there. Turns out the Democrats have moved further to the left than the GOP has to the right. It's 2022. Things are still crazy. Things haven't settled down. And now you got the Federal Reserve and interest rates. You got the economy. You got inflation. A lot of banks won't even return your phone call. Let's say you're a small business and you need a loan for $750,000 or higher. You see an opportunity where banks, they don't even want to see you. You want to buy a building? You want to build a building? Reach out to the Frost family at First Liberty Building and Loan. They've been helping small businesses become big businesses since the 1990s. They want to help you if they can 
So spend 10 minutes with them. See if you're a good fit for them and they're a good fit for you. Their website is firstlibertyga.com. That's firstlibertyga.com. Again, you need a loan, $750,000 or higher. You're a small business and you see an opportunity to grow. Share it with the Frost family and see if they can help you. Firstlibertyga.com. That's firstlibertyga.com. First Liberty Building and Loan can help businesses nationwide become bigger businesses.